Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. And welcome to the MDF Commerce third quarter 2021 results conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. A question and answer session will follow the formal presentation. If anyone should require operator assistance during the conference, please press star zero on your telephone keypad. Please note that this call is being recorded. I will now turn the conference over to our host, Luke Filiatro, President and CEO for MDF Commerce. Thank you. You may begin. Bonjour tout le monde et euh, merci d'être avec nous pour euh, cette, cette euh, conférence pour, pour, vous, euh, le, euh, pour vous rapporter nos résultats du troisième trimestre de notre année fiscale 2021. Alors, dans quelques minutes, euh, on va regarder les résultats en détail, mais je voudrais d'abord euh, vous parler un petit peu d'NDF, de ce qu'on a fait dans le trimestre et de comment se passent nos opérations. So just as a reminder, MDF Commerce is a developer and operator of digital commerce platforms. Our platforms facilitate billions of dollars of transactions per year of digital commerce for well over 300,000 end-user companies, mostly in North America. We have made great progress in transforming MDF Commerce into a high-growth SaaS digital commerce company with the potential to dominate key market segments. As part of our transformation, we are adjusting our leadership team to align to our five-year transformation plan, and we are continuing to invest in people and processes along the way. With that in mind, I wanted to take a moment to welcome Deborah Dumoulin as our new Chief Financial Officer. Deborah was VP Finance and Financial Reporting at Sierra Capital Corporation, and prior to that, she was a partner with CWC. Deborah brings very strong capabilities and experience to the role that will help us to manage our accelerating scale over the next few years. Additionally, as we announced last week, we have also added Nicola Vanas as Chief Legal Officer to help us facilitate our planned mergers and acquisition strategies. Nicola brings over 20 years of experience in various uh, Chief Legal and Corp Dev roles in high-growth companies such as Lumen Pulse and e-data structures. Aussi, je, il me fait plaisir de souhaiter la bienvenue à M. Clément Gignac, qui se joint à notre conseil d'administration et qui a d'ailleurs assisté à son premier conseil d'administration hier. Ces conseils et ces grandes connaissances vont beaucoup aider l'équipe de management à atteindre de nouveaux sommets et à devenir de plus en plus une compagnie de niveau international. As we have noted in our previous conference calls, we are investing in two core growth platforms of our business because we believe that there are large opportunities to gain market share in both. To successfully compete, we are investing to scale our sales and marketing capabilities to align with our peers who typically allocate approximately between 30 and 40% of their revenue to this function, which is critical to further accelerate growth. As we commenced our transformation uh, about 15 months ago, our, uh, <clears throat> we had less than 10% of our, of our resources dedicated to sales and marketing. I am pleased to report that since then, we've doubled our sales and marketing team and our intent is to continue to invest in our capacity to capture market share. The first growth platform that I want to discuss is Unified Commerce. It represents approximately 44% of our third quarter revenue base. This platform offers end-to-end -end commerce, including supply chain, for thousands of mid-size and large, enterprises, uh, large enterprise customers globally. As announced in January during the third quarter, we successfully deployed a significant grocery e-commerce project for over 200 stores. To put that undertaking into perspective, 
we implemented one of our largest grocery projects in less than three months. All that in the UK and in Ireland during the pandemic and entirely virtually. We never saw anybody physically from our customers. Due to the intensive deployment concentration associated with this and many other concurrent projects, our gross margins were temporarily compressed. Also, because of the increased professional services billing, which is not recurring, total revenue in unified commerce increased faster than monthly recurring revenue rent. As a result, recurring revenue as a percentage of total revenue declined. This is temporary, and we're confident that these big deployments will result in faster growth of future recurring revenues. To give you some context regarding the performance of the Unified Commerce Platform, revenue grew by 54% compared to last year, which is really solid. However, if we isolate the performance of our two e-commerce solutions, Orchestra and K-e-commerce, their combined revenue growth was actually 126% year over year. This growth is really exciting. And this doesn't include revenue associated with our recent deployment, which will be recognized in future quarters, so we are confident about future growth in these platforms. This is great progress, but we're not satisfied. We are investing in sales capabilities and channel development to expand our pipeline. We are investing in deploying in deployment technology and partnerships to more efficiently convert our pipeline. We would like investors to know that we're not sitting on our laurels. Instead, we're leveraging our recent successes to further exploit general upturn in demand for online commerce. The second growth platform that I want to highlight is strategic sourcing. This procurement and tendering platform accounts for approximately 39% of our total third quarter revenue. Over 3,500 government agencies and large enterprise buyers rely on our strategic sourcing platform to procure and tender from a North America-wide network of over 300,000 suppliers. These totals include network gains from the acquisition of vendor registry during the quarter. Vendor registry expanded our reach to 10 more states in the U.S increased our supplier network by 70,000 and added 400 procuring entities. Our primary strategy for this platform is to consolidate a fragmented market in North America by acquiring assets similar to vendor registry to improve our geographic reach, expand the platform, and deliver pricing power by cross-selling and upselling more services to the network. We are executing on this as we had announced prior. Finally, our e-marketplaces platform enables everything from wholesale diamond purchasing to job searching. Collectively, these online marketplaces account for approximately 17% of total revenue. Due to the growth rate of unified commerce and strat sourcing, e-marketplaces revenue will be declining as a portion of total MDF commerce revenue over time. I'd like to provide a high-level review of our performance in Q3 2021. Overall, we are pleased with our performance in the quarter. Total revenue 21.4 million was 18.4% higher than the 18.1 million reported in Q3 2020. Our Q3 recurring revenue grew by 9% to 16 million compared to 14.7 for the same period last year. Recurring revenue equates to approximately 75% of MDF Commerce's total revenue of 21.4 for Q3 fiscal 2021, generally in line with the 81% reported in Q3 2020. With the strategic sourcing platform recurring revenue representing 92% of total revenue, which we believe is close to the maximum recurring revenue available to that line of business. And now, I will turn the call over to Deborah Dumoulin, our new CFO, to discuss our Q3 fiscal 2021 financial results in more detail. 
So welcome, Deborah, to uh, your first uh, earnings call with MDS. Thanks, Luc, and good morning, everyone. Bonjour à tous. Here are the highlights of the third quarter fiscal 2021 results. Total revenue was $21.4 million, which is up 18.4% from the $18.1 million reported in Q3 2020. Total monthly recurring revenue, which we'll refer to sometimes in this call as MRR, was 76% of total revenue at $16 million. This percentage is consistently is consistent sequential in comparison to the second quarter of fiscal 2021. When compared to the third quarter of the previous year, total MRR increased by 9% from 14.2 million. In comparison to last year, MRR as a percentage of total revenue dropped by five percentage points from 81%. As Lick pointed out earlier in this call, the shift was mainly caused by an increase in professional services billing associated with large deployments during the quarter. Now I'd like to outline MRR for each of our main platforms. For the strategic sourcing platform, recurring revenue was 92% of total revenue, which was stable on both a sequential and year-over-year basis. Unified Commerce recurring revenue was 57% as a percentage of total revenue, down 1% sequentially and 6% in comparison to last year. Looking at actual dollars of MRR revenue, Unified Commerce MRR for the quarter was 5.4 million compared to 4.4 million reported in the previous year quarter. That's an increase of 23%. Strategic sourcing MRR was 7.6 million compared to 7.1 million reported in the third quarter of last year, a 7% increase. To wrap up the MRR discussion, I wanna point out that based on MRR existing at Q3, the implied annual recurring run rate for MDS uh, MRR is approximately 65 million. Now I'll cover off total revenue contribution by each of our platforms. The, United, the Unified Commerce platform, which includes supply chain management, supply chain management, excuse me, generated 9.4 million of revenue, which is a 54% increase over the 6.1 reported last year. It's also a 4.1 sequential increase over Q2 of 2021. I'd like to highlight that our e-commerce solutions, particularly Orchestra and K-e-commerce, produced year-over-year growth of 126 compared to the previous year. I should, however, note that we only recognized six weeks of K-e-commerce revenue during the third quarter of last year as it was an acquisition. The strategic sourcing platform generated 8.3 million of revenue for the quarter, a 9.2% increase over the 7.6 reported for the previous quarter and a 2.9% growth sequentially. Turning to eMarketplace platform, it contributed 3.7 million of revenue, or a 13.9% decrease from a 4.3 million reported in Q3 of the previous year, and stable compared to Q2 2021. As a percentage of total revenues, eMarketplace revenue declined to 173 in Q3 2021 in comparison to a 23.8 share reported in Q3 of 2020. As revenue scales in strategic sourcing and unified commerce, e-marketplaces will continue to become less impactful on performance during the future reporting period. Turning now to gross margin, operating loss, adjusted EBITDA, and net profit, or loss. Total gross margin was 62.7% compared to 70.4 reported in Q3 2020 and 66.7 for Q2 2021. As mentioned earlier, the decline in gross margin percentage is associated with the service mix and lower margin professional services revenue that we recognize on major deployment contracts um, that we initiated during the quarter. We anticipate that gross margins will remain compressed temporarily until the ongoing deployments in e-commerce are delivered. Operating loss for the quarter was 2.7 million in comparison to an operating loss of 1.8 million in Q3 2020 and a 0.1 million operating loss in Q2 2021. The decline in operating profits flows directly from the professional services expenses, restructuring costs and transaction costs associated with the acquisition of vendor registry. Total adjusted EBITDA loss reported for the quarter was 0.1 million compared to a positive adjusted EBITDA of 0.2 million reported in Q3 2020. 
Although there were investments in sales and marketing and R&D expenses during the quarter, decline in adjusted EBITDA is primarily, primarily due to two items. First, increased professional services expenses required to support deployments of multiple contracts. And second, restructuring costs, acquisition-related transaction costs, um, totaling approximately $1.1 million, related also to the acquisition of vendor, and vendor registry and to management changes that occurred in the quarter. I'd like to note that MDF Commerce definition of adjusted EBITDA does not make adjustments for acquisition related to costs and transaction costs. Net loss for Q3 2021 was a 2.9 million or a 14 cent loss per share, both basic and diluted, compared to a net loss of 1.1 million or 13 cents loss per share, which was recorded in Q3 of 2020. Finally, turning to year end to date results, um, total revenue for the first nine months of fiscal 2021 was 62.9 million, representing an 11% increase over 56.5 million reported last year over the same period. The nine month year to date revenue reported for fiscal 2021 includes a disposed asset that represented 2.2 million of recognized revenue. If we adjust for revenue for this disposal, year to date revenue growth would calculate at 15.5%. Year-to-date net loss was $4.7 million, or $0.26 cents loss per share, both basic and diluted, compared to net profit of $1.1 million, or $0.07 cents per share, both basic and diluted, in the previous period. For the first nine months of fiscal 2021, adjusted EBITDA was $4 million, compared to $8 million reported for the first nine months of 2020. The decline in adjusted EBITDA is attributed to professional services associated with the acceleration of our deployments, along with investments in sales, marketing, and R&D. And as I noted earlier, this also includes restructuring and transaction costs that are not adjusted in our definition of adjusted EBITDA. Finally, I'd like to review some progress we made during the quarter on strengthening our balance sheet, and this helps us to execute our strategic plan going forward and positions us favorably to take advantage of the opportunities ahead. During Q3, we executed a 50 million senior secured credit agreement based on recurring revenue and repaid the full amount of our debt under a previous credit agreement. We also closed a bot deal public offering with net proceeds of 47.8 million. And the company had 38.8 million in cash and cash equivalents on its balance sheet at December 2021, sorry, 2020. With that, I'll turn the call back over to Liz. Merci, Deborah. Félicitations pour euh, notre premier appel ensemble. Alors, euh, j'aimerais ça vous parler de quelques petits éléments de notre performance et vous parler un peu de ce qui s'en vient euh, avant de continuer. Puis, on a beaucoup progressé pendant ce trimestre. Euh, on s'est mis une fondation solide pour poursuivre l'accélération qui a commencé il y a environ une quinzaine de mois. Dans le trimestre, nous avons ajouté environ 76 700 fournisseurs euh, à la plateforme d'approvisionnement stratégique et 459 nouveaux acheteurs sur la petite plateforme. Approximativement 157 petites moyennes entreprises ont, euh, se sont ajoutées à notre plateforme de commerce électronique et trois grandes entreprises euh, ont été ajoutées en commerce unifié. Based on our growing sales pipeline, management believes that much of the shift in preference towards digital commerce caused by the COVID-19 pandemic will be permanent. This is reflected in the growth trajectories that we reported this quarter, and we plan to exploit the market trends to accelerate future growth of recurring revenue for the two core platforms of unified commerce and strategic sourcing. As mentioned at the beginning of the call, we are preparing for that with investments in sales and channel development to accelerate our pipeline growth and implementation capabilities. Although we consider professional services revenue to be a lead indicator of future growth and recurring revenue, we also recognize that it could be a drag on our ability to effectively deploy contracts as we convert our growing pipeline. As a result, <clears throat> we are actively pursuing partnerships to help us deploy contracts. We've recently announced partnership agreements with third parties, including KPMG, Valtech, Logic, Innovate, that will help us to scale deployment capabilities 
while also positively impacting the mix of recurring and non-recurring revenue. Our objective is to remove scaling barriers and also to ultimately expand our gross margins in the unified commerce platform. Before I wrap up, I wanted to comment again on how pleased we are to welcome Mr. Clément Gignac to our board of directors. He is recognized internationally as an expert in the fields of economics and finance and currently holds the position of Senior Vice President Investments and Chief Economist at the Industrial Alliance Financial Group. He's a former Minister for Economic Development and Minister of Natural Resources for the Quebec government. We are confident that he will bring enormous value to our board, our leadership team, and the company as we accelerate scale and become more global. And finally, I would like to leave you with two key takeaways that I believe summarize our transformation journey today. First, we've entered the first leg of our aggressive growth strategy. You can begin to see in this quarter's revenue performance. However, I want to stress that we are just starting. We are investing now to be able to build a sales pipeline multiple times larger than now. We will continue to invest in sales and marketing resources to arm MDF Commerce to effectively compete for market share in multiple verticals, especially in the unified commerce platform. We are evolving our foundation and our partnerships in order to increase our capabilities, both in number and size of projects, allowing us to better convert our sales pipeline and draw higher margins. We are, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, as for this quarter, while deployment had a dampering effect on our quarterly margins, we are confident that these significant contracts will prove rewarding in the quarters and years to come. Secondly, by all measures, MDF Commerce remains undervalued in comparison to its close peers. We are pleased to see growing interest in the company from both institutional and retail investors in Canada and in the US. To our new shareholders, some of whom have joined us on the line today, we extend a warm welcome. And to our existing and loyal shareholders, we thank you. And with that, I would like to hand over the call to, to Diego to open up the line for questions. All yours, thank Diego. You. Thank you, sir. And at this time, we will be conducting our question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate that your line is in the question queue. You may press the star key followed by the number two if you would like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. Once again, to ask a question, press star one. Our first question comes from Amir Asat with Echelon Partners. Please state your question. Bonjour, bonjour Luc, Deborah, félicitations pour ton premier appel et ta nomination. Um, Thank you. Guys, can you give us a high-level update on your large e-com project? Um, you mentioned 200 stores rolled out. Uh, what is the plan over the balance of 2021? Uh, thanks for that, Amr. Um, Things are going well uh, in the UK. Uh, I believe the count is exactly at 226 currently. Uh, we saw an enormous amount of demand flow through our platforms uh, during December and, uh, and a significant increase during January. Um, we still have approximately another thousand stores to roll out, for which we're basically dependent on the ability of our customer to handle all of the physical and logistics aspects, right? This isn't just about implementing software. Uh, it's also about making sure people can obtain uh, the various goods that they order online because they need to, to, uh, to do the click and collect. As you're aware, uh, the pandemic and the restrictions uh, throughout the territory in the UK are particularly severe, uh, if not some of the most severe in the world. And that is, I would say, slowing down uh, the speed at which physical infrastructure can be deployed. Nothing to do with us, but has to do with the, uh, the restrictions in, in, uh, in how people can move around. So we are looking with our clients uh, for ways to continue to roll out at the same speed as it is of the utmost importance for our clients to be able to offer this service 
because it's really an essential and critical service for the people of uh, UK and Ireland to have the ability uh, to to order and and collect their groceries in a uh, as efficient and as fast as possible process. So things are going well. Uh, we're seeing immense amounts of traffic uh, flow through our site, immense amount of orders, and uh, so far uh, so good. Great. Um, so okay, I, I guess like the third national lockdown in the UK is um, hampering, I guess, some of the implementation ability. But let's say we get out of that lockdown um, in December time, things uh, look a little bit like the December quarter. Um, do you do you anticipate you'll be able to um, implement, you know, like the thousand stores in 2021? Is that is that fair to assume? That was what the, that is the plan that is uh, in the books for now, right? Um, it's uh, it's really a question of all the of our customer adjusting themselves to the requirements uh, because they they not only do they need to implement uh, software but they need to do a lot of physical stuff uh, to modify their uh, or sorry to create temporary storing space for uh, the, the goods that are ordered, to hire and, uh, and train the people that are doing the collecting through the aisles in the, uh, in the stores. So all that is, uh, is you know, going as fast as, uh, as possible right now. Great. Then if I'm thinking about maybe your first few stores, I know it's early days, um, but with that uh, national lockdown throughout England, how does, um, January, how do January volumes look relative to December? Is there like strong momentum there? Uh, yes, <laughs> definitely strong. Uh, well, of course, I, you know, I'm not going to comment on, on specific volumes today, but uh, I, uh, I've learned that uh, watching uh, online grocery ordering at the same time as you're watching prime television uh, from the UK uh, whenever uh, Mr. Johnson starts to speak and starts to turn a few notches of locking down a bit further, you actually see the amount of orders just increasing by the second on uh, on the platforms. It's uh, it's a it's a good proxy, I guess, for measuring um, effectiveness of uh, of these measures, anxiety of people. Uh, it's quite extraordinary, yes, uh, and uh, the volumes in January were very high. Um, we're, we're already higher than the highest volumes that uh, we've ever had on any of our other customers. Oh, that's, that's great to hear. Um, okay, so let's move on, like beyond Aldi. I'm just wondering how, how's the sales pipeline looking um, in e-com specifically? Are you guys like speaking or engaging with uh, a lot of customers or any of them of I don't want to say similar size to Aldi, but you know, like good size. Uh, absolutely, through our various partners that I mentioned, uh, we are in uh, basically, you know, a sales pitch mode uh, at multiple customers, um, and and of course, uh, most of them do not uh, do not want us to talk about them. Not only uh, at the point of signature of contract, but they usually like to wait until stuff is actually up and running, at least on on a portion of uh, the places. So uh, yes, our our pipelines are strong. Demand for e-commerce in general is very strong, coming both from customers who had existing but obsolete platforms. Um, customers who have nothing and want to quickly embark on uh, on uh, on selling through online channels. Uh, and and right now, I have to say that the limiting factor is not the ability to capture customers, but the ability to get them up and running fast enough. Our, our customers, as you know, are are typically in the B two B space and of larger nature. So this isn't the kind of website that a small two, three, four people operation can install in just a week and have a storefront. Uh, these require integration with uh, complex ERP systems, financial systems, warehouses in many cases, uh, multiple delivery channels, um, multiple curbside pickup uh, systems and constraints. Uh, 
So, uh, so the, these implementations just take time. It, uh, it's not, uh, it's not a you know click here, hit three or four buttons, choose the background color, and off you go. So uh, sure. that's that's why right now we're uh, we're hiring. Uh, you see a lot of hiring uh, going on. If you go on our website, you'll see that we have lots of position open. Even our partners, and you know some of them are like. You know, hundreds of thousands of people, even our partners are struggling uh, to get enough people on uh, e-commerce demand. Great. Um, I'd like to switch gears and talk about um, your, your um, EDI platform. Um, I know you're overexposed to retail and apparel, um, but I would have expected um, the number of transactions to increase in the December quarter relative to September, um, and I, I think the implied number for EDI that it's down sequentially. Uh, just wondering, what am I missing here? Um, you're probably thinking of uh, Black Friday and uh, Christmas ordering. Now, remember that supply chain is, uh, is the back end uh, of the platforms, right? So this isn't about B2C. It's not used by consumers uh, buying uh, these products. It's uh, the retailers order, in most cases, very much in advance of, uh, of uh, Black Friday and Christmas. Uh, and all of that stock is, uh, is in warehouses so that when consumers hit the front-end website and order, I don't know, shoes, dresses, skirts, uh, whatever else, uh, then they get delivered to your home. But the transaction, TDI uh, transaction, uh, has already happened long before, right? So there hasn't uh, been any replenishing is what you're saying? Uh, correct. And uh, a lot of the retailers are, are as you know, uh, in, uh, in economic uncertainty uh, is probably the best way to describe it. Uh, our, our EDI, our supply chain platforms have held up. Uh, you know, they've been significantly stable, and, and that was uh, a lot better than what we could have expected in the earlier days of, uh, of this pandemic, at least during the first wave. So we were able to completely pick up uh, back to where we started, or, but of course have not unfortunately enjoyed growth. We did uh, onboard a significantly new large customer on our supply chain platform that was Indigo, which we released uh, mm -hmm. probably a month ago or so. And uh, we're starting to see some of the volume there uh, starting to happen as we're uh, converting and onboarding the various suppliers. But we're uh, you know, not, not seeing any uh, significant growth at this time, but I would say that on the supply chain side, holding up is good. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, okay, one last one, and I'll pass the line. On vendor registry, um, can you just update us on how the migration of suppliers and buyers um, to your network is going? Have you seen any losses as a result? Then maybe you could touch on the pace of deploying um, some of that capital you have into M&A, into strat sourcing? So the integration of vendor registry is going extremely well. Uh, we are, you know, it's our second uh, transaction in the year. We had K-e-commerce about a year ago, a vendor registry a few months ago. And our, our integration playbook is, uh, is now, you know, quite efficient. Uh, we're, we're probably a little bit in advance of what we had envisioned to do the conversion from the customers of vendor registry. Uh, from a financial perspective, our models show that we're ahead of our initial plan. So things are really rolling very smoothly, uh, very nicely. We had carefully planned that integration, and uh, we have a specific person in the company handling that, uh, that uh, integration project. And uh, I, uh, I, I, at some point, I would like to present this person, but uh, she manages it not by the day or the week. She, I think she manages it by the second. You know, when the second, when the clock comes to the second that this event is supposed to happen, it happens. So we're, we're very tight uh, on the integration of vendor registry going well. Uh, we're currently in contact, and I would say direct contact, with multiple other uh, platforms. Uh, of the vendor registry type, 
And uh, we, uh, as you know, these, uh, these transactions are, are a little harder to predict in terms of timing, especially uh, related to the fact that uh, we've never had any physical meetings with these folks. Uh, many of them are private, uh, some, many times single owner uh, owned businesses. And uh, to, to just have Teams and Zoom with these folks, which are you know, typically uh, a bit more mature, uh, is, uh, is, is a bit of a challenge. It, it's hard to establish a good relationship. So, uh, so we do have, uh, you know, a few bigger ones that uh, we're in touch with. And uh, if you follow the market, you know that uh, one of them uh, was uh, acquired very recently. So uh, the, uh, the market is, uh, is quite hot to uh, consolidate those uh, um, strategic sourcing uh, e-tendering platforms. But I think we're very, very well placed here. Parfait. Merci beaucoup. Merci, Amber. Thank you. Our next question comes from Deepak Kashal with Stifo GMP. Please state your question. So, oh, hi. Good morning, guys. Um, I'm hoping you could help me quantify um, some of the opportunity with both the new customers and, and in the pipeline. You know, specifically starting with with the Aldi deal. Um, do I understand it correctly that you have not yet started revenue recognition for this? And uh, I'm just trying to understand how you, how you expect that to ramp up. And you know, are the expenses for that going to level off here as you continue to deploy? deployments or is this kind of a lump sum to get you started and then it should should decline from here any any color on that would help um well thank you deepak for for that question um so the way it works is that we we obviously need to deploy the software do whatever customizations are required um integrate with the various systems that need to be integrated and if you remember we did uh we 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 indicated that we have the ability to uh, integrate every store's planogram, so the clicking, uh, sorry, the packing of the grocery is uh, is very efficient and and well ordered. So uh, as we we started to do that with those 200 and plus stores, uh, roughly in September. Prior to that, it was uh, pretty much some piloting and uh, experimenting. So uh, we uh, we have uh, we have recognized the uh, services associated uh, with doing all of that implementation, customization, et cetera. Up to now, we have very little recognition of uh, what I would call platform revenue, simply because we activated those stores uh, pretty much during the month of December. Uh, but it, uh, it, it, was a, it was, of course, towards the end of the month that they were all on. And there's also the fact that uh, for Aldi, this is a new service. So whenever they advertise that, oh, the store at the corner of such and such street is now uh, able to take click and collect, uh, it, it obviously takes a bit of time for that customer base of that store to start using the service. So it's ramping up. It's ramping up very fast. Uh, but you should see... Uh, you know, more uh, more platform revenue, recurring type of revenue, will start to to click in uh, in the coming quarters, and we we do okay. expect that professional services will will gradually taper off as we complete those installations. But we still have a few quarters to go. Okay, and when we think of the 200 stores or a thousand stores, any kind of metric you can give us of potential revenue per store, or can this be you know a 10%? of your overall revenue or 10% of your overall United Unified Commerce revenue in the next year? Any kind of thought? I'd love to answer that for you, Deepak, but as you know, uh, we've signed some very strict, um, uh, call them the NDAs with our customer, and that would be disclosing information about our customer that they do absolutely not want us to, uh, to disclose. Uh, so I can't uh, I can't give you that specific level of, of answer. Got it. So so maybe if, if I can just back up and look at a more aggregate, can you guys give us a sense of what your 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 backlog is, um, your pipeline is, and kind of what your conversion rate of that is? Anything that can help us kind of track how you guys are are progressing on the top line. Um, I guess the best indicators that we have currently uh, would be um, 
the uh, the difference between the professional services and the recurring revenue. If you, I, mean, I have a graph of that. I'm sure we'll have a chance to meet in the next uh, little while. Uh, and, and you see a very sharp increase in the services, which is, and there's a lag in the increase of the recurring revenue. Uh, if you go back, uh, I'd say six, maybe nine months ago, uh, that lag was, was very small because we were pretty much on top of all the implementation. So all of the business that we acquired over the last uh, six, nine months has not fully yet uh, started to uh, generate the recurring revenue. Um, so, uh, and I'm, I'm looking at the graph, but it's hard to give you a number like this on the phone. I, I think we need to to to, to sketch it out. Uh, in terms so generally of generally speaking, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was well. Go ahead. No, I was just saying. So, so on just on that. Um, so, should we think of like a dollar of professional services revenue can support, you know, ten dollars of of license revenue or recurring revenue or 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 forty dollars like how, how, or four dollars how how should we think about that? Uh, that's an interesting question. Maybe Deborah, we could try to figure something out. But uh, I, I, you know, I, I've never calculated it that way. And uh, I think you know what we try to to look at really carefully is uh, the lifetime value of a customer versus the customer acquisition cost, and that those professional services revenue will have, you know, something uh, to play in that customer acquisition cost. And of course, uh, a contract like a, a uh, an L&D contract or, or almost any uh, e-commerce contract has a very long lifespan, right? So the revenue will be collected over a significant period of time. We'll talk, we're talking about multi-years. Uh, because it's a, it's a pretty complex application to install, it's also a pretty complex application to remove and replace. Um, so uh, you don't do that unless there's a really, really good reason to do it. So I, I, you know, but it's an interesting question. I haven't looked at it. If I looked over, you know, how much revenue we would hope to get from any particular account and figure out the proportion between the professional services and the recurring revenue over you know, call it a three-year time frame. I, I think we could get some some interesting data there. Okay, great. great. Well, I, you know, what? maybe I'll just leave it there. Welcome, Deborah, to the team, and I guess there's a to-do list for me on some KPIs. <laughs> but uh, I have some more questions, but I'll jump back in the queue and um, see who else is online. Thanks. Thanks, Deepak. Looking forward to meet soon. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Nick Agostino with Laurentian Bank Securities. Please state your question. Uh, yes, uh, good morning. I guess my, my first question, just sticking with the grocery theme, uh, but not talking about Aldi, can you discuss maybe some of your other legacy clients, uh, you know, in Canada for sure, how, what the, the uh, click experience is looking like, uh, you know, now that the pandemic is about uh, one year uh, of age. And also, I believe one of your clients, Sobeys, is, is talking about expanding their um, uh, their virtual experience uh, throughout uh, Canada into back. Can you maybe talk about uh, the timelines for that deployment if it's going to happen? Uh, thanks, Nick. Good question. Um, well, the way the way Sobeys uh, has shared uh, with us their intent, right? We we continue to see very strong volumes flowing through our platform. Uh, they are uh, they're implementing, uh, I think they call the service Voila, uh, which is through a very centralized, robotized um, warehousing delivering system. So uh, I believe they're, uh, they're actually uh, doing this in uh, the Toronto, uh, in the GTA area. And uh, they, you know, they're trying out this, uh, this system to serve very dense, uh, centralized cities. Uh, they don't seem to want to go to the franchisees to, to do that because obviously it creates the click and collect at the store uh, doesn't remove business from a franchisee, but the delivery from that central system completely takes the business out of the franchisee. So they're sort of um, balancing, there's a balancing act there to do, uh, which uh, we're not privy to all of their details. Uh, we are aware that they're talking about um, 
building a second center like that in Montreal. I think it's in two years, according to the latest I have heard. So, uh, but we, we're in, in, you know, we're in good communication with them. The, uh, of course, they see some value in centralizing some things where it's possible. Um, and uh, if you uh, if you come to that grocery conference that uh, we're speaking next week, we will be addressing these types of differences. There seems to be a continuum in the world uh, where it goes from very highly centralized, such as what Okado is is trying to offer, versus you know just uh, very little bits and pieces of e-commerce uh, through something like Instacart, which uh, requires no investment, no infrastructure. Uh, basically nothing. You just drop 10% of the order and uh, Instacart takes care of it. And you have all the way to the very uh, centralized warehousing automated model, which probably takes hundreds of millions of, of capital uh, to build, but obviously offers probably some economy, some pretty strength, some strong economies of scale. Our model right now is a little bit in the middle. Uh, we have the ability to centralize, but we don't have robots. <laughs> it's not... Uh, we don't sell any hardware or, or any uh, devices that uh, walk around the aisles of stores yet, uh, but we do have systems that uh, people use to do that. We've even uh, added some, uh, some watches now in order to scan uh, directly the products that need to be brought uh, to the click and collect service. So we're about in the middle. And uh, depending on, and we're in contact with, uh, you know, lots of grocers in multiple countries. And there's a big element of culture that needs to be brought into this. If you go in Europe, if you go in, uh, in Asia, in North Africa, generally populations uh, live in much smaller areas than they do in North America or Western Europe. Uh, refrigeration and freezing is not something that is used everywhere in the world. People in, uh, in France, for example, still have the habit of going to buy their food every day uh, in, uh, in very, very densely populated areas in, uh, uh, in Asia, in Africa, and even South America. A lot of people do not have uh, the ability to store a large amount of food in their homes. They just don't do that. And the click and collect service for these folks really works well because it does save them time. So, uh, you know, the world is, uh, is sort of experimenting with grocery and the pandemic has definitely very much increased the amount that is ordered online. Uh, we think it created behavior that Stays, and there are multiple areas of, uh, I, I would say, bettering the consumption of various food products that we're taking advantage of uh, in our, our platform, and we have the ability to adjust to these things. So it, it, it's really a, a developing uh, industry. Uh, it's not yet baked, uh, you know, uh, fully what will be, and I don't think there will be a unique model. Uh, Feeding is one of the most basic human um, reflex, I guess, or, or and it's highly, highly cultural. People don't buy their food the same way everywhere in the world, and they don't even buy the same the same stuff. So, uh, so I think we have to have a lot of flexibility in those systems, and uh, the one of the main reasons why we win business in grocery is the large amount of flexibility that we have in our platform. So, uh, so we think we're well poised to uh, to take a good chunk of uh, that grocery business, which we estimate on supplying technology to grocers worldwide. We currently have estimates uh, that come from Gartner, I believe, at $57 billion yearly of technology. So still early days. Sorry, that was a long-winded answer, but I'm pretty passionate about uh, ordering <laughs> groceries online. Passionate about food, and that's always a good thing. Well, I'm um, very passionate about food also, yes. That's, uh, <laughs> uh, I guess switching gears on the, on the supply chain side, uh, you, you said earlier that, that that market has kind of stayed stable for you, which is obviously uh, a good thing. Given that we saw you announce the Indigo win, I'm just wondering, again, going back to the pandemic, the fact that we're one year into it, hopefully 2021 is, is, a, 
is a is a year where we can get out more. What what is your pipeline looking like uh, when it comes to new potential wins within the whole supply chain intertrade EDI space? Um, Keith, you know we've uh, we welcomed Clément Gignac on our board. Maybe we should have asked him the question because ultimately this is a, an economy question, right? When is the economy going to resume to where it was? Uh, and and right now uh, we, I mean, we do have we keep finding new customers, but we have lower volume than usual on the existing customers. Neiman Marcus just doesn't sell as many fancy shoes as they did. Uh, a year ago, uh, you know, how how and when will it recuperate? We don't know. Um, we do know, however, that uh, we, we, we are a, a, I would say, a future uh, for all of the retailers that we have. We're in direct contact with uh, all of our customers at the executive level. We've had no write-downs, even though many of them went under bankruptcy. Um, and uh, although we had a, a little bit of a delay in obtaining our payments, I believe we obtained 100% of what was owed to us, even from folks who went under bankruptcy, and they kept telling us that this would come because we represent such a strategic element in their future, uh, I would say, um, uh, popping back up in business once consumption starts to resume, because let's face it, and then you know you read more and more pieces about this, the stock market is doing extremely well, but the economy, uh, you know, the world real economy, like we like to call it, um, is 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 slow. Is slow. Um, it's not going at the same pace. And until that resumes, something like supply chain, especially since we're mostly in the uh, general apparel, uh, general merchandise and apparel sector. Um, is, uh, you know, the, the, the way we're able to keep it stable on our end is because we're adding new customers, but each customer is consuming a little less than they were before. So, um, you know, uh, as soon as consumption starts to pop back up to uh, a reasonable growth rate, <laughs> we, we, will, we will rise with the tide. But uh, I, uh, I don't have that crystal ball yet. And uh, we only saw Clément yesterday at our board meeting and uh, he didn't give us the full uh, picture of how he sees the economy picking back up. Okay, and then one last one for me. Um, you spoke earlier about uh, having several, I guess, vendor registry type discussions in the marketplace. Certainly, your your, your uh, share price, your multiple, you have a, a higher currency than you had, say, a year ago. I'm just wondering, what kind of multiples are you observing in a whole strat sourcing marketplace at present versus a, a year ago, um, and and is are you in a position to transact uh, far better than you were, say, six months ago? And I'll leave it there. Uh, well, uh, a year ago, I I would have a hard time answering. I could look it up, but uh, you know, we did not do transactions a year ago. But I know of some firms that did. Uh, multiples did go up a bit, like many other in the anything to do with digital commerce. Uh, we, uh, you noticed, you know, we paid about 5x sales uh, vendor registry. The Negometrics transaction that was announced uh, two days ago or one day ago uh, was also in that range. It, it seems to be where where the prices are. Um, as a, you know, we we indicated in our remarks, uh, we keep being undervalued compared to some of our peers. And when you look at the guys who bought Negometrics, I'm I'm not going to give any airtime to my competitors, but uh, their trade, their just their their strat sourcing portion is trading at a multiple that if you applied it to our strat sourcing portion, um, it would give zero. Uh, to our unified commerce today, so uh, so there's definitely a lot of room for growth there. And yes, uh, as we are acquiring, uh, you know, we we have 38, 9 million or so of cash on the balance sheet that we can use. And should we uh, be interested in in using a little bit uh, of equity to complete those transactions? I think we have a vehicle today that is of uh, much more attraction than it was. Uh, you know, just uh, six or nine months ago, right? Remember, the low in April was about two, two and a half dollars. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you.
Our next question comes from Martin Toner with ATB Capital Markets. Please state your question. Good morning, guys. Thanks uh, for taking my question, and congrats on a good quarter. Thanks, Martin. Appreciate the, Martin. the nudge there. My question, uh, first question, uh, when do you think uh, partnerships, um, uh, professional service partnerships might help uh, speed up the time to bring customers online? Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not sure I got your question. You you ask why we think that? When? Oh, when? No, no, oh, I was just wondering when, yeah. Oh well, 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 it's already helping, right? It's uh, we we're using our partners right now uh, through some of the partners will be you know will be selling with us. Uh, for example, uh, we are well, I'm not going to name any customers, but we are pitching today at some customers where it's actually the partner who's going to be really getting the contract using our technology. So uh, there's there's uh, there's some of that that will be coming quite soon, I believe, uh, and we are today using some some people from all of the partners that I mentioned to execute on certain contracts because that enables them to start training a workforce so that you know once we have a, a sizable number of people trained, they become the trainers of the next wave of guys. And that's how we gradually add people to the ability to deliver and implement those systems. So it is currently uh, the case we have on our current customers, we are using uh, as much as we can uh, people from our partners so that we, you know, it gives them the ability to learn and, and deploy faster later. Super. Um, and the growth rate for unified commerce ex-professional services at a, over 100%. Is that a good proxy for growth rate of your ARR in that business? Let me make sure I, because uh, I, I, I see I see Deborah is adding numbers here, uh, frantically, but I, are you trying to imply that our annual recurring revenue in e-commerce would grow 100% next year? I'm uh, just trying to get a feel for what the run rate is uh, right now. Well, our uh, if I remember well, I think our, our recurring revenue in unified commerce is, call it 60% or 57%, I believe, 57 on uh, on our quarter. And, you know, we think that's going to gradually increase uh, uh, as a total of, uh, to, uh, sorry, as a percentage of total revenue. And once we, we we really gain momentum in activating those clients, there will there should be a sharp increase on a call it quarter to quarter uh, sequential. Uh, but okay, so uh, I you know, we're obviously not uh, not forecasting numbers uh, with the street. So uh, you know expect growth, but uh, <laughs> okay. So um, recurring as a percentage of unified commerce is about sixty percent. 57. 57 yeah. to For be the precise. quarter, yep. And at what, rate is it and at what rate is it growing? The recurring revenue uh, quarter over quarter, according to, you know, I, I haven't calculated this, but when I look at my graphs, uh, it's about uh, 4 or 5% quarter over, over quarter over quarter. Okay, super, thank you. Thank you. And our final question comes from Richard Tissa with National Bank Financial. Please state your question. Hey, thank you. Hey, Luke, how's it going? Very good, Richard. Good to talk to you. Looking forward to, to uh, spending a bit of time. Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, a lot of questions today. Um, one of them was around sort of uh, the acquisition question, looking at it a little bit differently. Do you think there's an opportunity here to, uh, you know, pair off the e-commerce, uh, e sort of e-marketplace uh, segment. Um, you know, obviously it's a bit of a drag on the business and it would certainly uh, kind of uh, amplify sort of the, the headline growth rates if you were to do that. Uh, well, you, as you you're, you probably remember, when I joined, uh, uh, the company had just sold off one of those e-marketplaces, which was NAPAC. 
and uh, it had tried to sell off uh, both uh, Job Boom and Réseau Contact, and we were unsuccessful. To be completely uh, blunt and very transparent, these uh, these marketplaces are very very niche, right? Very niche, and and significantly small, right? When you add the five of them together, it was what three three point five million during the quarter. So it, you're talking about twelve thirteen million dollars on a yearly basis, approximately. So that gives you properties of you know a couple million of revenue super niched, most of them in Quebec and Quebec only. Uh, they're, they're profitable though. They are producing some, some nice uh, margin. But for an acquirer, uh, honestly, a, the, these, the reason why these properties are declining right now is they've been sort of um, hit with the large, uh, think about LinkedIn for recruiting, think about uh, Tinder, TikTok, and whatever else for dating, right? Uh, even Facebook. So um, for those guys who want to, uh, to buy a property like that, it's, it's irrelevant, right? This is a rounding error on their numbers, so they're not even going to bother. Um, so there's no strategic buyers, and uh, they're too small to be of interest for a, um, a private equity guy. It's just too small. Uh, so the only potential buyers are basically private individuals, but uh, given the state of what's happening right now, it's not a good timing to, to go and do that. So we're, we're keeping them, but we have really, uh, I believe, uh, found a, a productive and efficient way to manage them. We've brought them all under one single leader. Uh, uh, there basically is sales, there's significant sales and marketing done there because these properties need to sell to continue to maintain their margins and, and their, their numbers. Uh, but there's very little investment. Those platforms are mature, they're working. Uh, and they're being liked by their customers. Uh, I mean, we have a lot of volume on Job Boom, on uh, Réseau Contact, on Polygon, the uh, diamond thing, but there's not there's not a, enough growth to to think about investing uh, significantly in the properties. We're uh, we're just operating them. But you're right, uh, it's uh, somewhat of a drag. I wish you know if you take that off, we could announce a, a bigger growth in percentages. However, I know you'd hit me back saying, well, how come you decreased this year compared to last year? Because then I had to go and tell you, well, we had 13 million of revenue from these guys and now we have zero. So, But I think with the growth rates we're having in strat sourcing and, and in e-commerce, come next year, same time, this will be the rounding error uh, on our total numbers. So I, I think the growth rate will catch up. Right, so in, in unified commerce, we're growing at 50%. So, you know, just put that, uh, assuming it's maintained. In, uh, in strat sourcing, we're growing at 25% in the States. And that's without that acquisition yet. It hasn't kicked in enough to, to do the number. In Canada, Merckx is, there's not a lot of growth space because I think Merckx is already uh, a very prominent property in Canada. But there's a heck of a lot of white space in uh, in the states, and we're taking really uh, giant steps towards uh, achieving those. So give it another year. I think the e marketplaces will 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 be a you know a small enough portion of revenue that they won't materially change uh, the KPIs. Okay. And there is a high amount. There is a high amount of recurring revenue, so it keeps you know things stable at the same time. Right. Okay. And just a, one last quick one from me and welcome uh, Deborah to the company. Um, as we sort of uh, model up the rest of the year, just from a, an OPEX uh, perspective, you know, I know you talked about having to uh, certainly beef up with some investment. Um, can you get us uh, some maybe color in terms of how those OPEX uh, costs will scale through the year? Right. Well, um, you know, we're gonna we're continuing to do quite a bit of hiring, so we're gonna see some increased opex expenses relating to hiring. Um, volumes will bring on extra costs like um, web hosting costs and things like that. So, as we continue to scale up, there will be some you know net increases in terms of those costs. But we would expect that probably as a percentage of total revenue, you know, we can expect around the same types of uh, Ranges. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for the questions. I'll turn it back to management for closing remarks.
Well, thank you, Diego. And uh, merci tout le monde. Merci d'être avec nous aujourd'hui. Merci de votre support. Thank you for, your, for being with us. Thank you for your support. N'hésitez pas à venir euh, nous visiter sur notre site web. Nous visiter en présence, là, c'est euh, plus difficile tant qu'on euh, n'aura pas euh, débarré, euh, débarré le, le COVID. Mais euh, au plaisir de vous voir euh, très bientôt. So, thank you everyone and uh, don't uh, hesitate to come see us on our website and uh, we'll be seeing you soon. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you. This concludes today's call. All parties may disconnect. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.